I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched James Cameron's Aliens. With an S. This was, with an S, the sequel to Alien. This was week two of our staff pick series. I picked this, a movie I love and that Mitchell had never seen before. Aliens is, as we said, the sequel and is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. For free. For free. We'll now cut to our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. And I was watching Aliens the other night, and that 20th Century Fox logo starts that movie. And I think, Literally, that was one of my favorite parts. (laughs) I was like, yes. The film grain on this logo feels so good. It has such a mood. Uh, and I was like, oh, Disney owns Aliens. Oh, that's that's a weird thought. Aliens Park coming 2030. <laughs> There's a park for every, like, even small franchise. Yeah. <laughs> a land, at least a land inside one of their Disney parks. You get to be the, like, Mechazord. <laughs> the, the, the Mecha robot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I finally, <laughs> I was like, community nailed it. He's like, why did I think this was a good idea? It's so slow. <laughs> it's like, exactly. <laughs> She's like, I got you now. She's like, th- these things, the whole movie are so like acrobatic agility. I just, know, I know. Like you only see flashes of them because they're going so fast. She's like, welcome. <laughs> but, but don't you think that, don't you think that that's the only solution is this like, like absolutely insanely overly armored thing no matter how slow it is yeah 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 probably yeah it's fine it's a good it's a nice moment and then it like drags for a second and then she gets that great line right before she uh drops her down that we can't say on the pod because family friendly yeah that's right uh jk rowling really ripped that off what did oh molly weasley to bellatrix yeah Yeah, come on i know (laughs) Yeah, Molly Weasley. I'll say this: Molly we- Molly Weasley is no Ellen Ripley. Yeah, if there's one thing, that pod, <laughs> if there's a sentiment, this pod stands behind. No, I can't include this. I don't want to upset the Potterheads. Uh, uh, yeah, there's too there's that's too sticky of a crowd. Yeah, on both sides. Yes. Oh yeah. We'll steer clear <laughs> until we watch those movies, um, which are now problematic. Apparently, who knows. Um, aliens. Very bold to just add an S instead of a two. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Y- yes. We're um, jumping in. Yeah, let's jump right Sleepy in. heads. Mitchell, you've never seen this before. I'd never seen it. Do you want to? Not wanna once. S- not never. Do you want to start? Um. Well, I'll start by saying I love Alien so much. You love the the movie. Alien. Oh, Alien. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, we, again, breaking the press. We watched it, and I, like, I, halfway through, I was like, this is Dress Park plus Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's amazing. And, and this movie precedes both of those. See, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Of what was interesting. Because um, at first, I thought Die Hard was before it. No, it's after yeah, because the the first 
it, it's hard with movies like this for me. Of it, I had this, I had a similar effect with Die Hard because I didn't watch Die Hard. I think until college, maybe no, we watched it in high. I, yeah, yeah, we when I was in high school. Yeah. But it, like, there are so many very cornball moments mm-hmm. in Die Hard. But it, it's tough to go back in time and because it, I know they weren't when the movie came out. Yes, so much, you know. Yeah, because now they they've been overdone to death, and it's hard to like go back and. It, reassociate some of that stuff yes yeah it, it's a hard thing i i'll say this in two ways i i love this movie but i'll say they're kind of two two things that are difficult for me at least i don't think it, i i don't think this about all movies from that era or the 80s or, or older or anything like that right but i think it's a specific type of like genre that has been that has maybe changed so much because I think if you just were watching a period piece drama from the 80s, you know, th- yeah, we're making them differently now and the pace is going to be different, but the, it's not going to be that wildly different of an experience, right? Where, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that because I watched uh Smooth Talk this oh, week. Oh, that's too. right, yeah. Have you seen that? I've never seen it, highly recommend. Yeah, it's on Criterion, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, which I I think it I, they did a release of it, but I think it just more recently is on their streaming yeah. platform. Yeah, uh, Laura Dern, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, um, but fantastic movie. But you you really feel the the gap on um, on le- you feel it less. Yes, yeah, because it's just an adult drama. Yeah, and I feel like action movies have been pushed so drastically into like the so intense or so adult or mm. mature or mm-hmm. like they're, they're trying to avoid those cliches or um, kind of cheesy reputation that action yeah. movies have and like make them so intense and dark and you know. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's one of those things too where you can look at a, a movie like, you can move, look at a movie like The Godfather today. Mm-hmm. Right. And say what Al Pacino is doing in that movie is one of the best acting performances in movie history, period. Uh, maybe maybe a handful of people have come come close to exceeded that in mm-hmm. the you know, fifty, sixty years since that movie, right? Like right. I, I mean, top tier. Yeah, I mean, what he's doing is incredible. But then you have a when when it's an as a genre like action, and we're constantly pushing the envelope in terms of stunts, in terms of effects, in terms of what we are capable of achieving in an action movie. I think of like the John Wick stuff. Have you seen any of the John Wick movies? Yeah, yeah. Like what they're doing in those, and I think about like John Wick Three has this like knife sequence in a hallway that's just it's so technically amazing yes and it's like that is not something that i think i think they could have done 30 years ago yeah that's the thing that's the the i think the main conversation i wanted to have even today about aliens is kind of the the maybe discrepancy there Mm. of i'm having two kind of effects while i'm watching the movie where I'm like, I, I am enjoying this. And then, you know, so it, yeah. So like, like Jurassic Park is a movie that I so purely enjoy mm-hmm. all the way through, you know, mm-hmm. w- w- even with some of its um, like dated this or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, problems, yep. whatever they might be. It's got that pure, just fun and popcorn entertainment um, 
but Die Hard is another movie I so purely enjoy. But I feel like I have over the years it's grown on me because mm. the first time I watched it, I was like, "This feels very old." Yeah, or, like does like these lines or the way people are talking, it it is not effective for yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, it's trying to listen to you know an album pre Beatles or whatever for a band mm. and like so they might be doing like really out there stuff for the time but yeah. it's really hard to appreciate it right yeah. now you yeah know? so I, I was as I was watching I'm like I wonder if as I'm watch rewatch this over the years if I get past some and, of these and that's the advantage that I have uh right I've been watching aliens every few years for you know for 10 15 years Right. And right. so and so for me the the slower parts in terms of the pacing cuz it's I mean it's it is a it's an 80s paced movie. Mm-hmm. Um where you I mean you just would cut a whole lot of this if you were if you were making this today. Right. Um and and so that stuff doesn't bother me as much. Um be because I'm familiar with the pace. I'm familiar with the structure of this movie. And right. and and I will also say this part of, and I didn't, I didn't say this when I introduced it last week. Part of my love for aliens really stems from um, college. So I, when I was, um, yeah, I'm curious. Um, I want to hear more about like you, why the the why behind yeah. this staff pick. Yeah, um, oh boy, because with Rushmore we touched on yeah. like kind of the more personal stuff. But so like, I, I, this is it. This is the kind it. of personal thing for me. First yes. of all, um, set it up in terms of. Alien, aliens. I've got a connection to this. I remember getting a copy of Alien, the first one, the Ridley Scott original on DVD, and like as a stocking stuffer from mom when I was like fifteen or sixteen. She's which, like, "This will do." <laughs> which was, which actually at the time I really thought was a was like this very thoughtful gift. I mean, yeah. and mom was always very is to this day really thoughtful with Christmas gifts and that kind of thing. Totally. But it was like she knew that I liked movies. Took a level of understanding. Yes. I felt yeah. like, oh, she really understands that my my thing about movies is not just the stuff that's coming out now or or just like whatever. It was like she – and I don't even know if she's ever seen Alien, the, the first one. Probably She probably has. But, right. But she just recognized it as, oh, this is a classic and I'm going to get this for him. I mean – and it was like this. It's like this rated R, you know, kind of. I, mean, I would say Alien is a horror movie, rated R sci-fi horror movie. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, it's a classic, but it's definitely a cut above most like classics in the genre. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know. And so, so Alien that was that was an early kind of memory for me, and just developing a, a sense of taste and and what movies were, and, and familiarity with stuff that was beyond my my age and generation. And then aliens, I kind of sought quickly after, and um, and the way that I always kind of think about these two movies is, and this may be a reference that some listeners will get. Um, Alien is the Resident Evil, and Aliens is Resident Evil Four. Mm, yep, they they exist in the same series, but they are entirely different genres, and right, and they're doing something entirely different. And so for me, I. I I kind of have been in that headspace for a long time where right. Alien is this slow suspense building terror 
nightmare right. of this invader and this ship. And it's it's so clean and simple. Yes. And it's like a perfectly packaged yes. like bow tied. Yes. You know. That scene after they all get back on the ship, we're in their, the dining hall, and the camera comes into the hallway. Everything is dark except for the ca- the kitchen or the dining area. The camera comes into it, oh. and this scene plays out. I mean, that is remarkable. That I I I, re- I, st- I watched the first like twenty minutes of it like yeah. immediately after watching yeah. Aliens, and yeah, it was pretty striking how it knows its mood. Yeah, s- like the back of its hand, like yeah. the intro with the letters slowly flowing. Oh, I know. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah, and that feels all of that feels much more modern than a late '70s sci-fi yeah, exactly. genre movie. That, that's what one of the other things that struck me most about, like, because I adore Alien. Yeah, like I first saw it in college and was shocked yeah. how how modern it felt. Yeah, and like this could come out today. Yeah, and it would smash. Yeah, and so. Um, and Aliens like, is different. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, there's a data quality to that, and I think it's the genre. I think it's it's a it's an issue of genre because it's it it is so decidedly action oriented, right? Um, and and the and the horror is not in the suspense, but in the overwhelming quality of the 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 attacks that come throughout the movie, uh, right? It, Alien almost feels like a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, like almost like a concept movie, and I, I, I've found that I love stuff like that. Yes, like a a good bad example is my dinner with Andre. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that movie. Yeah, it's like it's I fine. love it. I love it. I, I know. love just like two guys talking yeah. at dinner. It's you know like weird conversations. Yeah, but yeah. just to be like, we're not going to show this thing for a very long time. Yeah, it's just on a ship. It's just you know like all yeah. these limitations. Yes, for the first one. Yes. You know? And so, yeah, if you're expecting anything to like similar, yeah, no, you're, you, know, you I think you'd be disappointed. You have to like detach, yeah, your brain from the first movie, yeah, in and, some ways, yeah, and, and 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 that's why I actually think is really interesting about Aliens is that right. it there there is some like good on them for recognizing it, good on James Cameron coming into this early in his career, recognizing we're not going to try and do what they did in that first movie. Totally. We're, we're going to do something totally different. And and this is where the movie really soars for me because it is not just an action movie. I find the... And I want to talk about the action because I, I, I do always find the action set pieces to be t- so technically well-made even if they're not kind of of the pace or, or that we're used to in, a, in modern action. Um, but this movie is really about a lot of things, I think. And mm. this is part of the personal connection with me. So when I was a sophomore in college and I was really kind of starting to decide, yeah, I think film is something I want to study, I took a... Which si- you did. Which I did. Um I took a science fiction genre class. I had taken intro to film the year before. I took a science fiction genre class. And we watched sci-fi movies every week. We watched Dr. Strangelove. We watched um, Aliens. We watched The Matrix. We watched Starship Troopers, which is just like a ridiculous kind of B-movie. Um, and we, I mean, we watched Blade Runner, which is you know the stone-cold classic of the genre. 
Um, but the aliens lecture, I mean, to, I, I remember this lecture to this day. This was so illuminating for me as, as our professor kind of walked through the different themes and the things that are going on in this movie where like film theory and film study really began to click for me. And I had like experienced that in intro to film, but but that was a big survey class, and what, and like what we were watching like Citizen Kane in that course, like right, you're right. when you're sitting down to watch Citizen Kane, like it comes with an expectation of there's an uppity nature to it. Yeah, and I think Citizen Kane is super entertaining uh, now, but um, right, but it's fun taking the theories and applying to something like an '80s yeah action. Yes, yeah, and so and like, oh, this can be found here too. And and not only are we finding it here, his his argument was so compelling. I, I mean, obviously this is what James Cameron is doing. Uh, this is so obviously what this movie is about. We we like I still to this day I remember walking through shot by shot of the scene where they you know she's with the Marines now. They have been sent off back to the planet to investigate what's going on with the the settlement, and they've come out of hypersleep, and they're like the Marines are in their lockers, like getting ready, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's very like broy, you know, boys kinda, clubby. It, it, yeah, and but the way that James Cameron frames it is that Ripley is always the tallest person in every shot that she's in, mm. even in scenes where she's like standing behind people and she like. Physic- right. physically doesn't even make sense for her to be the tallest one somehow I, as i was watching I, it always felt like she was separated yes. at least yes yeah. you have you have these conversations there's a conversation i remember really clearly early on between her and burke burke who is the corporate kind of uh, lackey that's right. been sent on the mission with kind of nefarious he ends up being the villain that paul riser plays um where he is looking up at ripley and she is looking down on him and and like Sigourney Weaver's a tall woman, and right. but but she's always framed even even against the men as being over and above them, and mm. and so you have this scene where it's like all of it's like the Marines, it's the Space Marines, and Ellen Ripley is not a soldier. She says that you know she is right. in fact at one point um, because she's not a soldier, she's not allowed to go out with them. She has to, right. she has to watch from a screen, but she is framed over and above everybody else. Okay. That sets you up for what's going to happen in terms of her, you know, becoming the action centerpiece for the rest of the movie. Right. And, and then, uh, so, so that's a piece I mean, it's visually a piece that's going on that I think is very intentional. I mean, the, yeah. what they do with it, with Ripley is, uh, what James Cameron does with her is very specific throughout this movie and very, very, very careful and uh, it's very impressive. But then you start like picking at, okay, so what are the themes here? And ultimately, Aliens to me is this movie that's about trauma and PTSD. In mm. some ways, if you were watching it in the 80s, it could have been a post-Vietnam PTSD kind of movie. Right, right. And because you have the Marines and you you have this kind of uh, Vietnam hangover kind of feeling in that. Right. Uh, and even the look of their squad and yes. and and the armor and and weapons feel, feels right up that alley. Yeah, very much what you would see in a in like some of these Vietnam movies from the from the time. Uh, the recklessness. Yeah. And yeah. and so Except we actually know what Ripley's trauma was because we all lived it th- with her when we watched the first movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and so like she spends the first half of the movie um, 
like very unsettled, very uh, um, unmoored almost because of her trauma, right? It starts right away at the beginning of the movie with her in the hospital bed having that kind of um, dream sequence flashback where she thinks the alien has impregnated her and it's bursting out of her, right? And she is doesn't want anybody to go back or she want you know she finds out there's a settlement there she's freaked out like and nobody's listening to her so it's this yeah now uh, so so you st- i mean you just see the layers and layers of the themes here it's it's a uh, uh, trauma it's ptsd and how you kind of relate to your past trauma and then it's like this weird gaslighting thing that we've been dealing with for a few years in like our own political discourse in America of like mm. the, the corporate, the corporate, the corporation is like, no, there's, there's no aliens there. You're crazy. Um, right. you destroyed our, our, our $42 million ship, which I just love that. That's <laughs> how much money the ship was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that is adorable. Um, and so, so now like there's this, there's this corporatism from the eighties that is just as prescient today. Uh, and something that James Cameron is still playing with, it, with uh, yes, like avatar and absolutely, which and, Sigourney Weaver is in. She is. And, okay. and there are armored parallel universe, armored mech things in that movie too. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, so, so then it's, it's a, it's a PTSD trauma movie. You put in that kind of, corporate fears of corporations and and globalism and that kind of thing line and then um and then then the movie takes this turn where ripley encounters the girl newt and now all of a sudden the whole thing is about motherhood right and and which which i i saw like a special feature deleted scene where like it had been suggested that she had a daughter, but she died because she's because Ripley had been in suspended animation sleep hyper space sleep, hyper sleep for fifty for something 50, years. Yeah, and yeah. her daughter, like in, in this cut scene, yes, you know, had yeah, died. scene, which sets you up more for the mother daughter relationship yes. with Newt. Yeah, it, and that's in a version of the movie, not the original theatrical cut, and not the version that's available on Amazon Prime. And and yeah. I, th- I I I do think the themes are stronger. I, I don't know why you would cut that. I think it's. I know. I, I, would, I, think I was like, great. oh man, that yeah. would have <laughs> more context. Or like the moment where Newt says like "mom" to her. Yeah. After you know. Yeah, I don't know why. Why in the world scene. you would cut that? Yeah, would have hit a little bit harder. I, I feel. And the funny thing is, I think a movie made now or within the last ten years. Uh, would absolutely include that <laughs> like, right. like we, we would <laughs> it would not just be that it would be like another daughter that died and we would see pictures like <laughs> they hit you over the head with it yes Maybe interstellar you just kidding <laughs> yes. i haven't seen that actually so i just know the memes um so so then it's this movie about motherhood i'm gonna be the one guy that didn't see interstellar for the rest of my life, uh, it, I've chosen that path. That's like, like you just love that you haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and the way yeah, it's like Jerry Seinfeld says on comedians and cars, like I'd love to be the one guy that didn't see Gravity. Gravity <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gravity's and Gravity's another one. I mean, that's a similar. Have you seen Gravity? Yeah. Yeah. She has a daughter or something that's died. Um, you know, or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so then Aliens becomes this movie about motherhood and Ripley's mm-hmm. re- relationship with her surrogate daughter, Newt. And then, like, her uh, in, 
in protecting her new pseudo daughter, destro- literally destroying the way that the alien can reproduce and the alien's own connection with motherhood. By the way, right, which is another fun. Like, it's a great <laughs> moment. Yes, I was like, well, I, like, I don't want to. I, you know, sometimes I overthink with this podcast of like we're jumping nah, too far. Like fine. we're talking about the ending. Yeah, but when she's setting the eggs aflame, I'm like, um. Hey, like, I, I'm not like I don't not understand the queen's reaction. Here. <laughs> like you came here. Well, you I, came to the planet. All right. Well, yeah, and I'm doing my Quentin impression. All right. Uh, <laughs> but but you, but it goes back even further because yeah, in the first movie they sh- they show up where the alien spaceship is crashed, and yeah, they ca- they they are killing aliens in the first movie and so there's no, it's no wonder that the queen and her her new children are out to get these human settlers these disruptors right and and so this is now this like weird motherhood revenge movie and and so ripley is literally lighting a fire to the means by which the alien is a mother as she is protecting and saving her surrogate daughter right the assumed right for her existence yes. yeah and not theirs and and that's like that's all there in what amounts to like Sigourney Weaver lighting a bunch of gooey eggs on fire, <laughs> right? And and so that's why I love this movie because I think the action stuff really works. Now we can get to that in a few minutes, but um, I every time I watch it, you, I kind of track these different themes that I think are really interesting and. Um, and 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 then there's even more. It's there's the theme like like Ripley's kind of apprehension with technology in the form of um, um, uh, it's Bishop in this movie who's the the, the synthetic humanoid you know right. android or whatever. And so who she redeems. From yes, the who first is movie. is redemption from the first movie, but but that fear of technology is still the same. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, um, hello, I mean, fear of AI and our own future right. like that's stuff we're dealing with now and right. so i'm constantly also impressed by how prescient this movie feels um for it being you know 30 years old basically um yeah dealing with the same stuff yes how disgust how disgusting are those what are they called in this the movie? synthetic the synthetic humans yeah, things it's disgusting it's so great like so it's like well, why is there blood like cottage cheese <laughs> it's, like, so it's so great it's so great but but that's the reaction you're supposed to have. You're supposed to be absolutely disgusted by that. And, and then there's something like it's no more or less disgusting than our own red oh, blood. 100%. But it's so unnatural. Is there anything worse than the human body? <laughs> <laughs> yes. When, when Bishop gets cut in half and you see his gooey white organs going everywhere. Gross. It's disgusting. And and then you compare that. I mean, even this is in there too. You compare like the grossness that you feel towards Bishop. Like you say, that's disgusting. Is the are the alien eggs more or less disgusting to you? They were less disgusting. Less disgusting. Why? Because it's an organism. It's a it's a real like. Maybe maybe because uh, the gooey egg thing has been appropriated yes. by so many movies. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it. we come to expect with, um, with like... Godzilla 2000. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the famed movie of the pod. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just kind of constantly, endlessly interested and impressed by the the themes that are kind of explored in at its surface is like a really over the top action movie from the 80s, and that's really corny in moments still. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see the connections with Ridley Scott too, with the like, first movie, yeah. Yeah, who went on to do Blade Runner. Or was Blade Runner b- before or after Alien? Blade I'm Runner was after. after. Yeah. And so he's obviously still interested in, in some of those bigger questions that you're yeah. wanting to wrestle with in these movies. And it, the, I thought the first half hour or so of Aliens, I was like, wow, that he did a great job of sticking with the aesthetic yeah. of the first one. Yeah. Like, I, I thought... It felt like to me this could still be Ridley Scott. Yeah, you know, and then we kind of enter the second phase of the movie, which is just like all out. Yeah, just it's it's like this weird Vietnam rescue movie. Yeah, and the action just doesn't let up ever. No, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and and I think that's really pioneering. I, I think I mean, and and famously, kind of Roger Ebert talked about this in his review of the movie that there was an. That the last hour was so unrelenting mm. uh, that that for him he really struggled with it, but he still gives the movie three and a half stars because mm. he he's still he's so impressed by the the technical skill behind it. Like right in in most action movies, having like three or four or five segments yeah. or big scenes. Yeah, this feels like the last hour hour ten is just one giant madness like relay yeah. yeah and that's how that's why I th- it, it was reminding me so much of die hard because mm. die hard does a similar thing of like it's just action for the whole uh, movie man it's crazy to watch this and i was like oh die hard's like literally ripping off ripley's outfit like right. she's wearing basically a white tank top and then has like guns you know draped over yeah. her shoulders and i'm like that's that's what john mcclain ends up looking like for the second half of that movie right if it's crazy like right and and like events and like like yes kind of architecture and yeah it reminded me felt felt similar yeah um and and even even the final fate of the villain in both those like this right. long fall uh, <laughs> um just like ah. <laughs> that that animation of the queen was pretty funny <laughs> the little arms yeah <laughs> um but it, 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 you know, and obviously, I've said all yeah, of it's this. It's the equivalent of if the queen had a watch on that was unclipped from uh, Ripley's ankle. Oh yeah, yes, because Hans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of it's her shoe. And and I say all that about like the themes that are present here, and on top of it all is like it ends up just being a pretty straightforward feminist kind of movie with mm-hmm. Ripley at the center of it, and. And her, it's actually really interesting to me now because we had just watched Promising Young Woman a couple weeks ago and Mm. talking about trauma and PTSD, right? Because it's a big theme of the movie. Right. And I think think originally in its context, it's probably, like I said, a Vietnam trauma kind of thing. But it's interesting now in 2021 where I'm reading a lot more about like um, the trauma of, of, sexual assault or that kind of violence against women and that, mm. that Ripley is an avatar for that here. 
And that scene where she is in the basically the video bay watching the body cams of all the soldiers mm. the first time they go in. And and the guy the guy who's in charge won't listen to her. And right. and she she knows what they're dealing. She literally knows what they're dealing with. Well, even before the mission, she yes. she's, she explains what happened to her, and they're like, "Yeah, sure." And they're like, "Anyway, we have people on this planet that you know you're talking about that are supposedly mm-hmm. not in contact anymore. I guess we'll go check it out." Mm-hmm. Like they begrudgingly mm-hmm. will admit that like what what she's talking about might be true. And yeah, and that scene, then the first kind of mission out is you know she is forced to watch them absolutely completely screw up this thing this encounter right. this this kind of you know trying trying to come in and save everything and because nobody's been listening to her everybody's been ignoring her warnings and they're and, going for the lights what going for the lights <laughs> that's a diehard oh uh, what, what's his cop friend uh, i don't remember <laughs> when the, but the like dumb sergeant they're going for the lights <laughs> die hard so great uh, <laughs> die hard pod. that's ripley it's uh, like, i don't know what she says you gotta get him out <laughs> these things i tell you so and then she, and then of course i mean i think that's the shift in the movie she takes over and like rams that you know little tank in there and saves as many people as she can and right. and that's when people start believing her obviously but it's like that sad thing of like not believing women <laughs> like they right. they have to literally experience the trauma in order to trust her at that point most of the men have to die first yeah most of the men have to die and then even then the villain burke is like trying to smuggle in the aliens to to earth he's so smarmy he's oh it's great and and that and like that's also like to Does James Cameron not like George Lucas? Why? Because he kind of looks like George Lucas. I do. He does not look like George Lucas. <laughs> well, like his 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 outfit yeah. and hair. I'm like that's very New Hope George Lucas of him. Um, Just saying. But to to read it kind of in that theme of of trauma and and that kind of thing, it's like it's it's almost like this person who should. First of all, know better and tr- and and listen to what you have to say, and the mm-hmm. trauma that you've experienced is now uh, has seen the evidence that the aliens are real and what happened to Ripley really did happen, mm-hmm. and but doesn't care because he needs to make money, so he's gonna smuggle in the aliens anyway, and and that is like the right. way the way people deal with abusers today, right. like we're gonna cover up because of profit because of power whatever it is right even though there's plenty of evidence we'll we'll destroy people yeah this is going to destroy people but and ourselves we'll destroy the planet yeah because we need to make some money Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah which uh, you know again james cameron's interested yeah very much could be read as an environmental thing too and that's so much of avatar yeah yeah i think i i'm curious like i said earlier to see what it feels like watching a year from now. Yeah. Because I think I wanted it to be a lot, like I wanted it to be alien, even though I knew going in it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but trying to kind of separate in your brain what the expectation and and kind of what you're setting yourself up for. Yes. You know? And and, and I do think... Like, it, it, it's the same thing with Die Hard. I, I, I hate to keep using that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the, maybe, the, the comparisons are so appropriate. 
Yeah, maybe even like Escape New York or something like another mm, yeah you know, like cheesy action movie where it's like some of the the more like ugh, cringe lines of dialogue or like what we now would know to be cliche. Yeah, it's like I I can have. Instead of thinking that and be like, oh, come on, like these guys high fiving after a lame, you know, one liner. <laughs> um, but like when, when that happens in movies that I've grown to appreciate, I just am along for the ride. Yeah. I'm able to have fun with it versus like, look, I'm aware that this is cliche. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which and is such a boring way to watch a movie. I I agree. I I find it. I mean, if it's look, if you're watching a something that was made today and it's all just built around cliches of the, a genre or something like that's, that's appropriate criticism because it's not, mm-hmm. it's just derivative. Right. Um, but, but this is the forerunner <laughs> like, right. This exactly, this is what I, I, I really think aliens and, and a couple of those movies that came out around that time, this is where modern day action comes from. Right. And maybe a good, like isolated example of, kind of the arc of mm. feeling with this movie is it is it hick who's like um is that the main hicks guy that makes it to the end yes Wh- who's the other guy who's like just kind of a basket case <laughs> it's bill paxton's character uh, and his name? what is his name i feel like it's hudson hicks. hudson yeah like, so they're, like they're all around us man <laughs> i know it's like he's so annoying for like 90% of the movie and then like right before he gets got he's like the best and we're like I love Hudson like yeah. he's like come on yeah. let's do this yep. and he, and he's like you know kind of sacrifice himself which most characters do in the movie like, <laughs> the good ones but I, I go from being so tired and so annoyed with him yep. as like kind of this just buffoon and then I'm like endeared to him by the end and yeah. like, I love that guy. Come on. But, Hudson's gotta make it. It, it, it. Hudson feels like I felt like at least watching it this time, uh, uh, a great example of that kind of um, repetition as humor to me of like right. you know, a it's comedy like, bit over and over again that like so you finally come around on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, do you want to, can we talk about the action itself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, James Cameron is such a brilliant action filmmaker. Uh, I, I, I think Titanic may be like the best example of this and what he Mm. does in that movie. This, this was pointed out to me at some point in the last couple of years about Titanic. Have you seen Titanic recently? Um, yeah, semi recently. Um, I had this like five years ago or something. Yeah. Um, so he does uh, as a kid like we owned it i have a lot of memories that it was a huge movie when i was like nine or you know eight or nine and like coming into a conscious awareness of movies that were not just made for me and uh, we had like the two vhs set and i loved that second vhs because that's where all the action is that's the they've hit the iceberg and the ship is like cracking open and all of that is happening. I mean, and that's like expert, expert action filmmaking in this historical drama. But what makes that work so well is that the first half of the movie is like this nice kind of relationship drama between all these different characters. But what James Cameron does is that he, um, he, he walks you through the whole layout of the Titanic in all of these different scenes and so you are so intimately familiar with how this ship is laid out 
from mm. back to front for, to from top to bottom. Um, it's 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 uh, Jack and Kate meeting on the back of the boat where she is like on the railing gonna jump off to mm-hmm. them on the front of the boat, him holding her up and the Celine Dion music is playing. Like you you know what the layout of this ship is. And then when you get to the action and things are in chaos, flooding, mm-hmm. the lights are out, everything is really hard to follow, not because the filmmaking is bad, but because everything is in disarray. You are, mm. n- there's never a moment where you're confused about where you are because he's done this diligent work of setting you in this place so well. And, right. and I mean, that's that's like expert level, what he does on Titanic is incredible. Um, right. And I think he does a similar thing in this movie, not, not in the same way, but he really helped, he, he's really careful to give you a sense of how things work. Uh, how the things like the the acid blood works, how their little radar, right. how their little radar guns work, right? The 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 proximity alerts. You know, the first time they have a proximity alert, and, and it's coming, it's coming. You think it's an alien, ends up being Newt. That's how they meet Newt for the first time, right? And to tease you into it. Yes, but but now you know the rules. Now you know the tools that they have. Now you right. know how they as a unit operate in these spaces and the confusion that can happen in a space like that. Right. It's not obvious that the thing is like even above you or below you or like yes. level with you. Yes. Um, and and that sets you up. And that's this is like one example because one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is – after Ripley and Newt have been trapped in the the hospital wing, and the face hugger mm-hmm. is in there, and they that she sets the fire alarm, and the guys get her out, right? And uh, and there's a lot of confusion, <clears throat> and they end up somewhere, and like their their proximity alarms are are going off, right? Going crazy. They're going crazy. The pa- powers the powers out. Like the they they've so, welded a door shut. Yeah, the, they have they have like tried to secure themselves in this space. The power has been cut. They think the aliens have cut the power, like intentionally to trap them. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they have everything's like, gone red. Barricaded themselves. It's like beautifully shot. Barricaded themselves in this space, so they think they're safe. And the proximity alarms are going off like crazy. And well, and Hudson is reading out. Like, yes, he's ten reading meters t- away. Twenty meters, meters, fifteen, and then it's like six meters away. And somebody said that's inside the room. <laughs> Right, because they're just staring at the door that they welded shut. Yes, and, and assuming that's the only way they can get there. Yes, and then it's like you know these, these their radar is saying they are basically on top of us, and then that's the moment where somebody looks up at the ceiling, and so it's like my favorite m- moment of the film, and I think it's Hicks like yeah open, Hicks like open it's like a tile in yeah. the ceiling, and he just peeks his eyes like above it, and just it cuts to like it. Like this Terrifying. swarming, like aliens moving in every direction. Yeah, I thought it was interesting the shot that they he always chooses to use for the movement of the aliens. Mm. They're never upright, like running. No, or, you know whatever. It's always sh- like it has to be shot where they're the camera is like flipped and they're actually like in, or they're like, upside down. They're up. Yeah, it's like they're in a they're in a hallway, but they're like would be on their side or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job explaining it, but basically he had to do some some camera work. It's it's like they're hooked up to a... Um, so it's like a harness? 
Yeah, yeah. and they're like almost rock climbing. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it looks like what it looks like is you're at the top of a rock climbing wall looking down at someone trying to get up. Yeah. But it, it, they're all aliens and they're going very fast with no yes. rope. It's crazy. You know? And that's the, and that's the like way that he shows yeah. them every time. Yeah. And it's oh, always yeah. like quick flashes. The the scene but It was such a choice. You oh know? yeah. The the scene earlier in the movie where they come into the area where all the settlers are like basically in this catatonic state being kept alive to be incubators basically for baby aliens. And then and and the way that like he frames it and, and the, the background is all in shadows and then the alien body like emerges and moves in the most unnatural like scaling a wall way and yeah. you only see parts of its body, its tails, its claws, its part of its right. head or something. And 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 actually and I think that shot then that I just described where Hicks opens up the panel and looks in there is even more kind of terrifying because it, it is, it is both obscured and freaky and unnatural, but it's also probably the best look of any alien you've gotten up to that point in the movie. Right. Uh, right. And, and the sheer scope of the magnitude of what they're dealing with. Yeah. I, I feel like the descent did something similar mm. with the way the, mm-hmm. those things moved in the caves. Yes. It's like, Actors that are hooked up to a harness that is then like removed in yeah. post, yeah, and the way the pe- like bodies flail like that yes. is very unnerving, yeah. And that's yeah, that's how they choose to present these guys. I, it's so unnatural, and obviously that's what they're going for. And it becomes it, it feels it's like very this. it's very like bug like too. Bug, yes, I was gonna say like yeah. swarms. Yeah, it feels like the swarm of um, of aliens, and that's why I think the. The Resident Evil, Resident Evil Four comparison is kind of appropriate because mm. in that, in the later game, you know, it's still a zombie thing, but you're you're just shooting swarms of zombies that are coming after you. Right. I, I saw a YouTube comment. It was, Alien is, there's a great white circling you in the yeah. ocean. Yeah. Aliens is there's a pack of wolves, mm. but you have a rifle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Yeah, I just um I I think what what he does so well is I mean cuz even what you what you just described Mitchell, I think is right on like the unnaturalness the 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 kind of literally I mean, the alien nature of the creatures. Hey. Uh, but it's never disorienting mm-hmm. in a way that takes you out of what's happening in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he's trying to disorient you so it's scary, so it's creepy. But he is so such a master at it that you're never so off kilter that you're like, okay, what what am I looking at? What's happening? Or he does it long enough to um, kind of show his cards. Yeah. Like, yes. Constantly, constantly reorienting you to the monster and to the space. Yeah, because anytime you get a glimpse of him, he is always like flashing some strobe light on them mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So you're you're never feeling settled in the no. look that you're getting. Unless it's like a finisher kill. And yeah. It's like the mouth. You, oh, know? you know, or the, yeah, they love the mouths. Or the, the you know, the last fight with the queen. Right. Um, and that's this, this final confrontation. Which I think the queen fight, like the Megazord thing, was one. I think it starts to lose me a little bit there for that reason. Because I'm like, yeah. okay, like there it is. and. Yeah, and that's like, a hard thing to do in any of these. Movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, it was funny. I think the the sound editor had a ball 
at that point in the movie because like the yes like the, the whipping sound of its tail yes, yes is like yes. so dramatic <laughs> it's so funny uh, hey you know what though i love that I, I i did really feel it watching it this time i was like oh this is a long sequence um mm-hmm. and there's just like there's no music being played and it's just kind of sound effects and Ripley's kind of moving slowly, but but even that, I mean, I I think you've mentioned it before on the pod, like a movie like Transformers, mm-hmm. where everything is like everything you're seeing on the screen is so indecipherable, right? It's just like metal, fl- like clanging and sparks and flying everywhere, and I mean that's just bad action filmmaking, but. Yeah, it's terrible. James Cameron it, it, does this, and it's like, oh, I, I know where the, every alien body part is at any given think, moment. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I'm, in, in a lot of ways, pretty allergic to modern yeah. action movies. Yeah. Because your sense of place is, I'm like, what am I seeing right now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it's 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 not fun. No, no, it's it's... It's just not a pleasant experience for for think, different reasons. I, yeah, I wonder if there if the thought is, wow, there's so much going on, it's so intense, and like your brain can't even pause to think, and, and that must be like pretty exciting for people. And it's like the total opposite, you know. Yeah, that's how I feel. It, it, it's it's kind of like in the Matrix movies, where by the third one, it's there's <laughs> there's a like you know literally thousand. Th- you know, thousands of Agent Smiths versus Neo. Right. How and good I, is the first one? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, who cares? I we I just watched those three movies last year, and I'm like, who cares that there's ten thousand of them? I just right. want them to fight one, and I want it to be good. I want to feel the stakes of yes. that one. Yes. Because when there's a thousand, it's like, okay, so they're not really a threat because yeah, you know, yeah, and and even in the second one. You know, there's this big dog pile of Agent Smiths on him at that basketball court, and then he just like blows him up and flies away or something. Right. So you're like, okay, these things aren't to be feared, really. Yeah. And yeah. and the first movie does a great job of like, oh, you do not want to encounter an agent. Like somebody says that. Like, right. and it, it's, the, over. it's over. It's over. You're dead. Yeah. Like, and I do think, I mean, I, you know, the Metroid Nintendo game series aside, the cultural impact of the <laughs> alien movies, I think is a lot more significant than people may give it credit for. Right. I think, I think a lot of people will kind of point to the first movie and that alien, you know, the first one popping out of the guy's chest and like, that's all iconic right. filmmake, you know, movie stuff. But I, I just think the, the, the way that James Cameron really, and, and really Scott, um, in different ways, the way they're pioneering in the genre is super significant, and I think sets yeah. the stage for decades of of filmmaking. And yeah, and maybe we've moved beyond it, but I'm still, I'm I'm still looking at this and saying this feels fresher to me than yeah, yeah. I agree that as far as an action movie, it feels way better than yeah. Like I can't I can't remember the last time I, I like wow this for an action movie is so great. Maybe Baby Driver. Yeah. Um, and part, part of it, even Baby Driver, I, like, I don't even remember that well. I just remember the sound editing being so amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, know? I mean, part of it is just there's a technical achievement to that, that every every, right. every physical movement had a musical moment that matched up with it. Like, right. Th- that's impressive filmmaking. 
Yeah. Um, and very like wildly energetic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Fun to watch. Yeah. 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 Really fun to watch. Yeah. Aliens is such a fascinating um, a movie for me and everything that we talked about. I think it's really interesting to look at it in terms of Cameron's career um mm. and what he goes on to do but also like this is a as this franchise is so f- interesting to me like ridley scott makes the first one and like mm-hmm. he's you know one of the most important filmmakers of the last 30 years right and james cameron one of the most important filmmakers of the last 30 years and then alien 3 is david fincher <laughs> really yes i did not know that yes Alien 3 is a David Fincher movie who is, without a doubt, one of the most important filmmakers of the last 30 years. Right. It's crazy. And Alien 3 is obviously the weakest of them and and is a weird movie and has a lot of problems. It's David Fincher's uh, directorial debut. Um, mm. has a lot of problems. And, and, like, David Fincher has disavowed it. Like, he wishes he could, I think, even take his name off the credits of that movie. Mm. Um wasn't it he like creative control? Yeah, there was issues of Final Cut and that kind of a thing. Um, I mean, he was super young in his career and that that kind of thing. But but I think there is stuff that's really interesting in that movie. And I think you know if you're if you're into the franchise, go watch it. But it's it's a weird, it's a very different movie than these first two. Right. Um, but Ripley's but, hair just keeps getting shorter. Yeah, with her trauma. Um. Yeah, do you want to talk about any of the the themes or stuff? I think I just kind of ranted for a while. No, I think yeah, I think what what I think that was great. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like like I said, I feel like I need to get a couple more view more viewings. Yeah. Like that, the first is always the most surface level. You're like you're just experiencing it, and then as you can like marinate with it as you like watch it over and over. Yeah, but But, great uh, movie to watch over Mother's Day weekend. I mean, hey, it, big mom energy in this movie. <laughs> that is for sure. That's right. And that could segue into my favorite shot if we want to do our segments. Yeah, let's do segments. Uh, I want to hear your favorite shot. I've got two, but I'll just say one for now, and then I'll hear yours. Um, it's it's because, because, like I said earlier in the pod, brought it up that this scene stood out to me. Of I was surprised that I was feeling for the queen of... Or, or just like the, the oh, this is the great juxtaposition. Yeah, that, this is the right. great thing about these movies. The aliens are never really the villains, right? Like, right. And like you said, you feel for the queen, and it's like, yeah. I mean, it's a bummer they need a human host. But, yes, it's, uh, <laughs> in that regard, that's a bummer. But when um, Ripley's carrying Newt, and they're trying to escape, mm. and the planet's about to blow up, or yeah. something. But she stumbles upon like the main egg hatchery area, yeah. um, and kind of just the shock of seeing what's coming with yeah. these. And, but she's walking through like these pods, these egg pods, and she's holding Newt, and it's kind of this little like like her her baby's right there, yeah. safe in her arms, and yes. she's you know trying to escape while blowing up all these other babies. And then you know they turn and see the queen, but it's. It's before the actual queen. It's the shot of Ripley and Newt. And, like, it's also got, like, what what I love about the Alien series in general is what I love about movies is just 
being able to take you to a different world mm. and admit a different mood. Yeah. Like the, the opening credits. I love opening credits for movies, by the way. If they're good. Like it, it's such a lost art. Yeah. You know, um, like, cause I'm reading a book about Saul Bass right now mm. who, um, famously upped the game of opening credit. Yeah. Like art, art direction. Yeah. You know, um, but, and so, yeah, for, for setting the tone for what you're about to experience, uh, Alien is just S tier, top tier for me. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't get to hang out in this type of world that much. Like maybe a sci-fi world, but not one that is this moody. Yeah. And and uh, almost like noiry sometimes. Yeah. And so uh, this this shot of her walking with Newt with the eggs, it's that balance of like really fog, grainy yeah. film with the organic eggs kind of taking having starting to take over the technology filled yeah uh you know uh paddock or whatever space it's in and so that that contrast the organic Mm. with the industrial like the taking over of this uh, very foreign gross organic yeah Yeah. exactly Uh, uh, something that we've built up to yeah serve our gross needs Mm. um but it's that it's it, yeah it's all all the eggs are very like darkly lit and then like their kind of escape route is is a bright spot in like the force perspective down the hallway. Anyway, um, mainly for one, it's beautiful. Two, like it got me empathizing for mm-hmm. the alien in that moment. So, I, I or the aliens with an S. <laughs> yeah, I just really respond to kind of what you're saying of like. The, the what what a movie can do in moments like mm-hmm. that yeah. and so i just got back from disneyland for two days in disney it, the parks are open that's a week ago we took enoch for the first time and one of the reasons i really love disney is the similar reason of why i love movies is because mm-hmm. they go out of their way to set they're, a mood they're insane <laughs> every inch of that park and and this question that enoch kept asking us enoch is seven kept asking us as we're going about disneyland is um you know is this is this real you know right we're like in the line for oh this is a great shot oh my gosh yeah you just sent this to me i just texted the shot yeah listeners um, which you can see on our instagram yes, this week yes um movies while they sleep yeah we're in the the queue for the indiana jones ride first thing in disneyland you know that first morning and enoch is asking he's like pointing at like i think it's it's basically movie props right old old timey archaeology adventure kind of that kind of yeah but even the space like it's not a building it's a cave yeah no there's jutting out rock yes and he's pointing at stuff and he's saying is this real and i'm like well, it's a real thing that's sitting here, but it's not real in the sense that you're asking. So What's the difference? So no, but what's the difference? And then he points at a plant and said, is this a real plant? And and then he starts touching the leaves and, and he's like, oh, it is a real plant. So the plant is real. Like that's a real living organism. Right. And the movie props that we put next to him are also real things, but... Right. Like the mood that I'm experiencing, the loneliness, yeah. the, the like... Uh, Isolation. Isolation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's I not, that's what I get when just, I look at this shot. Yeah. It's not just loneliness, but the isolation of the alien movies. Yes. It is just it's a riddle throughout. And that's all, real. But yeah. 
right exactly exactly like that is a feeling that is like the alien it's in me waiting to burst out and wreak havoc in my world Um, but but i'm not always aware of it yeah and so when something can trigger it yes and i can actually sit with it and connect with it yeah yeah and that and that's what i experience in disney of like none of it's real all of it's real i don't know but but right. the feeling no that we're wonder. having, like... No wonder there's a generation of 30-somethings <laughs> who just can't not go to that park seven times a year. It's crazy. It's crazy. They're like, I can feel you. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that, may be, that may be the realest explanation for the, the phenomena of millennial Disney adults. Right, which is that, a major thing. That is a thing, yes. And yeah. it's, I mean, there is. Last time they were happy yeah. watching Disney movies. I, mean, I, I say that like, like the reason I like a, a roller coaster is because like, uh, I, I've been thinking about. <laughs> I don't know. If we'll keep this, but like, I really relate like being overtaken by the power of a ride like that similar Mm -hmm. to like my relationship with God and like God's Mm -hmm. will and providence in my life is this kind of overwhelming. Like you are not in control. Buckle up. I am not in control. However, I am buckling myself into this thing that I trust completely. I paid for the ticket. (laughs) I paid for the ticket and I trust Disney completely. And how nice is that? I do not say that about any no, other theme park. But that and that's the thing is like, like I, I no truly one is dying don't. today. <laughs> no one is dying today, and I know it. I I truly don't think that about. Basically, I don't go on rides anywhere else because I totally trust that's Disney. That's why all other theme parks suck comparatively. Like they, the rides might be fun in theory, but it's not about the ride. No, it's about the waiting in line. Yes, it's about the mood. It's about the experience. It's about the feeling. And so, like me getting on a ride and letting myself being overtaken by the power of this this you know this roller coaster with the incredibles painted all over it right it's not about any of that and 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 i trust it complicitly and that's how i feel about sometimes in my relationship with god and in moments of like insecurity or weakness of like god is in control and it's not the same as i trust god and it's like have a step of faith like jumping out of an airplane Right. Because on a roller coaster, there's a track, and somebody right. has perfectly outlined what's going to happen, and I get to trust that complicitly. Sometimes uh, you win the race. Hey, you know, sometimes yes, you lose. Yes, the car's right. But and it's a similar thing in a movie where it's been designed, and I'm a, like, I'm go, kind of right. giving myself over to the experience of it. You you don't know what it is, but yeah, you're there. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love just love this shot. Love what you're saying about the. <laughs> And, and, and it is. I'm looking at this shot right now. This is a crazy thing I'm looking at. This I is, know. <laughs> like, You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's the Leo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he points at the TV. He's like, wait a minute. They're saying something here. <laughs> I love that meme. Uh, but, I, yeah, I mean, I look... But you know, I look at this shot and I'm like, this is bonkers. Like, this is a this is a woman holding a child and like some sort of uh, futuristic machine gun surrounded by alien eggs, and right. I understand what's happening. That's she in a second would not 
hesitate to light on fire. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna send you. But don't you touch my kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know it's crazy. Uh, my favorite shot is is actually like a two shot. I'm gonna cheat, um, but it's so good, and it's what we talked about earlier. Um, so the first is it's that scene where the aliens are descending upon them in this room that they think is secure, and mm-hmm. Hicks pokes well, his head. side by side of his eyes uh, in the crate, and then what he sees. Yeah, yes, it's the Hicks looking up above the ceiling panel, um, and it's like this great shot because of the, uh, especially in the color. So you see behind him all of the red of the room because right the fire alarm has been so the, the whole thing has been just bathed in this red light and then which is a nice break from the gray of the movie yeah and then as his as his head comes into view above this ceiling panel it's all this blue light from some other source and and so you get this great kind of contrast between the blue and the red and it's it's even that's a little unnatural and different than what you're used to in the movie Mm-hmm. Uh, and then cut to the one of the most unsettling, the upside down aliens crawling in the in this you know space between the 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 ceiling panels and the the wall above. <clears throat> and I I chose the two shots for a particular reason, and I think it's just the kind of expert action filmmaking of James Cameron knows when to give you a beat before he shows you the thing. Right. Because I think there's a shot before of somebody poking up the the panel and it would be very easy to just cut to the next shot being that of the aliens. But instead right. he just he's gonna give you about five seconds here, Hicks is gonna poke his head up and you see him react before you get to see what it is. And he's going to draw every bit of suspense and terror out of this by adding a, a five second insert shot. It's it's expert right. expert stuff. The, man it's a bummer with movies that the good ones you're not supposed to really notice. I know the things that the, the things that they're doing that make it so effective. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it it's like it's got to be in a lot of ways like what movie makers are doing to make it effective and even good, not even great. It, it like you can't even put your your thumb on. You know, like yes. even th- in this movie when they switch to the red. Yeah. And just psychologically, psychologically, you're like, yeah. we are now threat level midnight. Yeah. Like, the rest of the movie paled in comparison. Now we're really in trouble, and just bathing everything in red to like feel that. Yeah. But like, and you know that instinctually, but you might not be actively thinking about that yeah. as that's happening. You're like, oh, they cut the power. Okay. Yeah. You know, but he's doing all these little things to ramp it up more and more. Yeah. I, I listen to pretty regularly. It's hard, the, it's hard to notice, and it's hard to it's hard to notice, and then it's hard to like, like put language. Yeah, to. because if they're really good, it's going to be harder and harder to notice it. Yeah, I, I listen to pretty regularly the Roger Deakins podcast. He interviews filmmakers of all different um, jobs and levels, and I mean, and he's a incredible cinematographer. He did 1917. He's he did a lot of the Coen Brothers stuff, so. Um, Fargo, he did, he's done a lot of the Denny Villeneuve, um, mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049. Um, he's a master. Which is incredible. And he says pretty regularly on his podcast, like, I hate it when people say to me after they saw one of my movies, oh, I loved the cinematography. 
I, I, I notice what you did here and there and here. And he says, oh, no, I've failed. Because actually, if I'm doing my job right, then all I'm doing is making everything else work better. And you actually right. shouldn't. I, the movie. I don't want to draw attention to myself. And it's this kind of and it's a funny thing, too, of people, you know, um, you know, thinking or equating cinematography with like just pictures, uh, just, you know, shots of sunsets. <laughs> right. Where, you know, I, 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 I'm thinking about the, the two shots that I just sent you of Hicks, you know, poking his head up. And then then the shot of the aliens in the duct, there's this very slight beam of light that presumably is like coming up from the tile that Hicks is you know, exposing a little bit. And that's just enough light where now you're seeing a little bit more of the aliens that that cinematographer is earning his paycheck. Like, right. Because it's terrifying. It's complete and total control of the lighting and every inch of the frame. And it's not drawing attention. This is not a picture of a beautiful sunset. It's it's replicating that sense. Yes. You just get a peek of the thing in the attic. Yes. You know? Yeah. But you don't think that in the moment. You just think, oh, my God, aliens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just, like, that's what, when Roger Deakin says, I don't really, I hope you don't notice my work. It's because of stuff like this. Because this is this yeah. is the work. And and I, and God, I think. this is terrifying. I know. It's worse looking at it paused. I know. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, listeners, check out uh, our favorite shots on the Instagram account, Movies While They Sleep. Uh, so we'll have them there. So we'll move on to our letterbox reviews. Uh, Mitchell, first time watching Aliens. Uh, I think first time I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yeah, I I get it. Yeah, yeah. and we'll see over the years. Yeah. It, it's tough. Alien is such a um, me type of movie. Yeah. That that's like, that's a strong five. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to let this one marinate and, and, and see what, see what happens. Uh, yeah. What, what about you? Yeah. Uh, Aliens gets a... Five star for me. This is okay. This is like uh, so. So you have, and what's your alien review? Oh, five stars. They're both five stars. I think these okay. these are two absolutely incredible movies. And if you had to choose a favorite, though, I know they're totally different. Desert Island. Um, Desert Island. I would pick Aliens, but I think Alien is the better movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think okay. Aliens. Aliens more fun to watch. Yeah, for yes. Sure. Yes. Aliens is the more yeah. fun, entertaining thing to watch. I think. Like you said, uh, Alien is so effective in mood, in in in. Ugh. And I'm a I'm a big sucker for a, a, for something that can be so simple and so effective. Um, where where this movie is, they have a big budget and it's a big it's a big action movie. Um, yeah. So that's. But like I said, I've sat with this movie for a long time. This is a movie I actually got to study and like write about in college. Totally. And so. Well, that's what's cool about staff picks is yeah. like, oh, this actually meant something to me. Yeah. And that's what we are, we, we've lost with uh, streaming, I feel like. Yeah. Of, 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 like a friend will send me, like, you should watch this. Yeah. It's like, okay, but it just hits so different when someone hands you a physical thing I or know. gives you a physical thing and says, you should watch this. Yeah. So. And and for me, this was a movie that was like, oh, oh, kind of silly genre stuff. Not that this is that silly, but um, really movie making at any level and any any genre can, can be really significant in what it's communicating and saying and exploring in terms of humanity and, and themes and that kind of stuff. So I, I just, I love this movie. 
Yeah, it can even be deceiving in yes. it, it appearing like it's just an action movie. Yeah. Cool. Aliens. This was fun. This was good. Yeah. And and it the, the podcast on the whole is a, is just an excuse to watch a movie every week. Yes. Um, but Staff Picks especially is like, oh, yeah, I would – it would take me so long to get around I know. to doing this. I know. That this is perfect. Yeah. I absolutely, so. absolutely feel that. Well, um, um, I got you a gift for graduating. Do you oh. want to know what it is? Yeah. Or do you want it to be a surprise? Is it on on its way to my house? No, I just got in the mail. Oh. <laughs> is it with but, you now? Yeah, do you want to see yeah, it? Yeah, just show it to me that way. Really? Yeah. All right, hold on. This will be fun for the pod. Um, so, this could be the movie. It's a movie. All right, set this up. Okay, so Matthew is graduating um, from seminary this uh, this week Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. Um, how long have you been in school mm, for this? Five plus years. Five plus years, yeah. and this is your like master's, yeah. right? Miss the uh, Masters of Divinity. Yeah, so yep. big deal. Yep. Um, <laughs> big deal. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, so, um, so I got him a gift to celebrate. Which I'm, going to reveal I'm, the gift. I'm so excited because uh, <laughs> most of the gifts that I've gotten so far have been um, like Bible theology and pastory books. Right. I thought about that. I love. And I, it's yeah, so great. For a, a split second, I was like, Maybe nah. Yeah, that's not I love I love all that. That's I'm you know so much of my time is spent in that world. So You're I, like I just did this for five years. No, no, no. Um, it's fun because I get to read what I want now. But I'm excited to uh, because this is uh, I assume not one of those things. <laughs> yes, and so I got him a gift. I am we're going to reveal it on the pod right now, yes. not in person. We're recording this from different locations, and it is also my suggestion for a possible movie for us to both watch this week because it is a movie. Yeah. And here we go with the reveal. (laughs) 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 This is amazing because not 15 seconds ago, what popped into my head was, oh, we can watch The Graduate because I'm graduating. (laughs) Exactly. And I know you've probably, I know you've seen The Graduate probably. Yes. But it is the Criterion version of The Graduate, which. This is so one. It's just funny to get you this, obviously, because you're graduating. Yes. And but two, when I I, I was just looking into the Criterion release specifically to see if yeah. there was like some special stuff, and there's audio commentary from 2007 featuring uh, Nichols. Is that uh, the guy that yeah. made it? In conversation with filmmaker Steven Soderbergh. Oh my gosh, Steven Soderbergh is one of my favorites. Exactly. So basically, it's like a mini. From what I read, it's like almost like a mini doc and uh, slash interview with Steven Soderbergh about this movie. Uh, so that kind of sealed the deal for me for getting the That is movies. high quality content right there. Exactly. And uh, when I was on the Criterion site, just like poking around yeah. and a clip started playing from this, I'm like, wow, this movie is good. Yeah, it is so good. Oh like, my gosh. I forgot. I haven't seen it in a while. Mainly I want an excuse to watch it. And right. what with it being graduation season across the board? Yes, it's why not beautiful. I love it. Heck yeah! All right, we're gonna watch The Graduate next week. Um, it's streaming right now. I just looked this up on HBO Max, so you don't need to own the oh, boom Criterion um, Blu-ray. 
uh, of The Graduate. Uh, but if you want to pick that up, I don't know, go for it. I'm, it's all awesome. We like Criterion. Um, but yeah, watch The Graduate. and in- Which they have a 30% off sale right now through the end of May, y'all. Yeah, so yeah. hop on that if you're into physical media. And they do not sponsor this podcast yet. We, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, streaming on HBO Max, Graduate, great movie, great soundtrack. So uh, if, if for no other reason than the Simon and Garfunkel. Um, yep. It's some if, great stuff. If for no other reason, the meme of Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. Yes, yes, seriously. The origin, meme origin. Uh, all right, that's great. I'm excited. We'll watch The Graduate next week, and uh, we'll be back. In the meantime. And from from there, we'll see if uh, there's some theatrical releases we want to start hitting yes. or some streamy releases. Um, but yes. we're, tra- we're, trying, we're trying to find a rhythm here for the lull in movie release season. Yes, and we don't want to drag you all out to movie theaters every week also. We're going to try and continue to do stuff that's uh, accessible and available. Um, so, yeah, but we're excited. Uh, this continues to be super fun week in and week out. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies While I Sleep. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter if you want at MWTS Pod, but mainly Instagram. Uh, please leave us an iTunes review. It helps us get heard, and that's that's what we want. It makes us feel good about ourselves. I, every time I see a new review pop up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something <laughs> with my life. <laughs> so please, please, please give us a review. And uh, that's it for the week. And as well, always, our theme song is uh, oh yes. Mitchell. Go ahead. Andy Carhall, yep. good good friend of the pod and of me personally. And you can find him on Instagram at c a r r h a l l Carhall. Hire him. Gosh darn it. That's it. That's all we got. Good night, y'all. Bye. Kristen Shaw's a horse. Kristen Shaw's a horse. Well, look at her going. Look at her dancing. Look at her go like a horse.